Hello, everyone, and Happy New Year. We hope this is a year full of great memories for everyone at Fuqua. This week's episode is with Alyssa Barnea. And before Fuqua, Alyssa was an event planner, or in other words, a professional problem solver. She has solved problems for celebrity chefs, she has solved problems in Barcelona, and she has even solved problems arising from the war in Ukraine. In this episode, Alyssa tells her wildest event stories and shares lessons learned to help us create better and more special experiences for others. Welcome to The Fuqua Show, for the stories, the lessons, and the passions of the Team Fuqua community at Duke University's Fuqua School of Business. It's a new year, and we're excited to kick it off with our first guest of 2024. Let's welcome Alyssa Barnea. How are you, Alyssa? Hi, Thomas. Great to be here. How is the jet lag after the Japan trek? The jet lag is real. Started staying up past 10 o'clock, so that's a big accomplishment, but have been getting up way earlier than I'd like to be. Well, I'm glad that you're here with us. How was the Japan trek? The Japan trek was incredible. Shout out to Saki and Adam for putting it on for us and really amazing to take 80 Fuqua students around such a wonderful country. Yeah, well, maybe they should be here talking about event planning as well. (laughs) (laughs) They could be. One or two highlights from the trek for you? Oh, man. Um, Singing karaoke with my girl Rosa in front of 65 fellow students was definitely my greatest fear and a really, really special part of the trip. And eating my body weight in sushi was spectacular. Wonderful. Well, maybe we'll talk a little bit more about that, but we have a lot to, to cover today. So I'll give a brief intro for folks who don't know Alyssa. Alyssa Barnea is a second year MBA student in Fuqua's class of 2024. And before business school, She was a corporate event planner where she planned hundreds of events for tens of thousands of people around the world. She's brought this energy to Fuqua, creating amazing experiences through Blue Devil Weekend, Orientation, Cole, Fuqua Vision, and more. She loves traveling and collecting magnets, watching true crime, and spending time with her new foster fail cat, Cheddar. What else, Alyssa? What are maybe some of your 25 things, things that folks might not know about you? Yeah, some fun facts about me. I've never had a cup of coffee. I don't drink caffeine at all. Never? Never. Why is that? I guess I just photosynthesize my energy somehow. I I don't like the taste, actually. And so I've never really gone down that path. I've I've tried, you know, we we did a family trip to Costa Rica and tried the freshest coffee you can get. But unfortunately, I still wasn't sold. And I found that I get enough energy naturally. So I I think I'm good. Incredible. Another fact about me... My family and I are very close. I've got one one sister and then my parents, and we have had this ongoing prank war for the last probably 10 years. It mainly involves us showing up in places that are very unexpected. I will say my dad is probably the prank master at this point. He's shown up in my undergrad classes, so I've been waiting for him at Duke. I haven't seen him yet, but he also once went as far as to register with a fake company to get a badge for a conference I was managing in New York. And showed up to my company's trade show booth unexpectedly. And that was one of the biggest surprises. So I'm, I'm working on getting him back still for that. Any others? My first job in high school was at Trader Joe's. So that was a really fun one. I still have the uniform. I still have the name badge and the Hawaiian shirts. And every time I'm in a Trader Joe's and I hear the bell system, I know what it means. And I want to jump in and help. But 
I feel like it gave me a lot of really great people skills working there in high school. And it's something I really look back fondly on to this day. Favorite job? Favorite job. Yes. Okay. For sure. Okay. Today, we're talking about your event planning, both prior to business school and here in the MBA, and even more broadly, just how to create better and more special experiences for important people in our lives, whether that's our clients or our family, friends, classmates, you name it. I want to start off by asking you, though, what's the wildest story you have from an event? There's been a lot of wild event stories. Let me think to the craziest one. So I think most recently in the pandemic, we did a lot of virtual events and we did a lot of celebrity chef cooking events. And we were working with Chef Alex Guarnaschelli, who's one of my absolute favorite chop judges, but she had some internet problems and her internet went out in the middle of teaching us to prepare this recipe. And of course, as the event manager on the call, it's up to me to step in and, and keep things going. So I started teaching the cooking event which uh, I was really not prepared to do. I'm not a very good cook. I don't know the words for things and the chef terms. That's when I learned they're not called scallion leaves. They're just called scallions. But for seven of the longest minutes of my life, I taught this cooking class to C-suite executives of my client's company and until she was finally able to get her internet back on and, and take over. So she did call me her honorary sous chef, and I keep that title to this day. But that was... One of the most stressful times of my life, I would say. How do you even keep your composure for those seven minutes doing something that, like you said, you have no idea how to do? I think in my event experience, there's been so many unexpected twists and turns, surprises, things going wrong, and my ability to just think on my feet and pivot and get in there and do something I have no idea what I'm doing, but make the time go and make it look like this was meant to happen, or this isn't a big deal for the attendees of the event has been something that I've become very comfortable with. And being comfortable in those moments of panic is something that I'm really proud of and that I've been able to use throughout my career as well. Well, I want to ask you about motivation. So things like what you just described, so many people find it so stressful and exhausting, and so many people just hate event planning and logistics and coordination. Why do you love it? I love it because I see event planners as behind the scene ninjas putting together a million details at once, coordinating so many people, and no one really knows what's happening because they're just experiencing the event. But I know what's happening behind the scenes. I know what took to get there. And it's really exciting to see it all come to life. I see it just as a big puzzle with tons of moving parts and everything fits into everything else. And it's my job to make that puzzle complete and make it the best experience for the attendees. How'd you get started in the first place? I was really involved in a lot of different event planning opportunities in my undergrad experience. So I helped to run Relay for Life, which is a 12 to 24 hour depending walkathon for the American Cancer Society. And I was really active in that. I went to Tulane undergrad. And so we have this crawfish Boil and Music Festival on campus every year for about 10,000 people called Crawfest. It's an amazing event. And I was in charge of recruiting all the volunteers, training them, scheduling them, making sure that everyone was where they needed to be on event day. So when speaking with my undergrad career management center, they said, well, what are you good at? What have you been doing your last four years here? And I kind of walked them through that. And they said, well, why don't you look into event planning? And I said, well, they don't pay people for that. That's just a hobby. or That's just something people like to do. 
And it turned out it was something people paid for. So I was really excited to dive right into that out of undergrad and then spent the last six years before my MBA in different roles in that capacity. So where did you go after New Orleans? After New Orleans, I went right to Austin, Texas, where I ended up staying all six years before I came here. And I had quite a tumultuous beginning of my career. I started as a coordinator. And then by the time I came to my MBA, I was a senior manager at my last company. So that was great to see my growth. But for the first two and a half years specifically, I held six different positions. It was crazy to have a job, a new job every couple months. Uh, I say my shortest job was two days. That was just this contract role before I got a more permanent role, but it was lots of contracts, maternity leave covers. The events industry was very cyclical based on conference seasons, based on needs of certain companies. And so I wasn't finding stability until I came to my last company where I was for almost four years. What kinds of events were you organizing? All different events from product launches, sales trainings, conferences and trade shows. It was all corporate events, but we did do like company holiday parties and some more employee experience events, but really all different types. Wow. Sounds very dynamic. Every day was completely different. And I did work in a lot of startups. And so some days I was taking out the garbage. Some days I was running a meeting for the CEO of a client company. It was really a wild experience to have all these different roles. And it was very exciting. Well, you talked earlier about when things go wrong, but I'm sure that there's so many other things that you have to deal with and manage on a day-to-day basis. How do you manage that pressure? I saw an article recently that event planning is one of the most stressful jobs in the world, which I, I you, can imagine. <laughs> you wouldn't think behind you know, first responders and surgeons and people who are doing actually life-saving work. Event planning is not life-saving, but it's it makes a huge difference for your clients. So I was very motivated to create the best experiences for clients. And of course, you're always going to get people who don't like the food, who don't like this aspect of something. But I found it a really good lesson that I've learned in this career to not take things personally. They don't hate me because they didn't like the food. They don't hate me as a person because something didn't go right. But just being able to separate that really helps your mental health because it can get very, very stressful. But I think that if you have the motivation and the desire to put on these events and to make your clients happy, then the rest of it becomes not as important or impactful if something goes wrong. Do you have other war stories? Oh, yes. It was an actual great event, but the start was a little rocky. I was given a week to go to Barcelona, a week's notice, actually, to go to Barcelona and put on an event for a client. And We rush shipped everything there. I was taking things in my suitcase with me. It was a little bit crazy towards the end, but I got to Barcelona. I got to the hotel and none of the packages had made it. None of our conference materials, none of the giveaways, everything that we had worked for was somewhere lost in FedEx land. And so I had to run around Barcelona with my broken Spanish and try to negotiate find new vendors, went to a printing shop. They printed the invitations upside down. I had to get reprinted and get new gifts. I had to convince somebody in Barcelona to help be my assistant for the event. And it ended up great, but I think I grew 50 new gray hairs from that alone. But you did it. We did it. We did make it work. So it sounds like one of the big takeaways I'm hearing is that no matter what comes your way, no matter what problems arise, There's always a solution. There's always a way to make it work. 
Would you say that's the case? I would say. We've definitely had to get very creative, but in the end, the good news is that the attendees generally don't know what's going on. They're just there to experience it. And so whatever's happening around them, they generally don't know the crazy backstory. And that that helps a lot to smooth things over. You talk about the importance of going above and beyond for clients. What are some examples of how you've done this before? So yeah, hospitality in general is a very interesting industry. The word no does not exist. We call it yes and. And that means you know, you don't say no to anything. So I've given my personal deodorant to a band in a green room who asked for one because they hadn't requested one. So we didn't have it in their writer. But Mr. Wives, if you're listening to this, you are very welcome. (laughs) And um, I will accept gifts in the form of tickets to your next concert. (laughs) But we are really willing to do anything for our clients. So when I was doing an event in Lisbon, Portugal in 2022, just before I came to my MBA, the day of the conference, the war in Ukraine broke out and we had a dozen attendees from Ukraine, um, Ukrainian citizens. And so immediately their bank cards weren't working. They couldn't call home. It was just very chaotic and disturbing to try and understand what was happening back in their home country. And so the CEO of the company that we were putting on this conference for said, we need to get them cash because they need to be able to buy food and and stay here in Lisbon while we figure out what's going on. So I was asked to go to an ATM, which turned into four ATMs around the Lisbon area and take out money for them so that they could have cash. And it was out of my personal bank account. So At first, Fidelity shut down my bank account out of concern that I was withdrawing such large amounts of cash. Not that I had that much cash in my bank account. So I had to get on the phone with them. And finally, through four ATMs, was able to take out enough money for the attendees to have for a couple of days. And because of the rush, because of the urgency, I wasn't able to submit a proper expense report for this. So I quickly took a selfie with myself fanning out this money on a table in Portugal, sent it to my accounting department as proof of money and took a picture of me handing it in an envelope to the client. And because of the urgency and, and the emergency of the situation, they did reimburse me quickly and they they counted that as my expense report. Wow. Talk about above and beyond. <laughs> now, in situations like this, how do you feel when you're going through it or afterwards? Are you happy that you're able to help somebody? Are you like, F this, I can't believe I had to take out all my own money? I think taking out money from my bank account was the most personal I've ever gotten. And it was definitely scary of, I really hope I see this money. I know I'm not following protocol because it's such a quick situation, but my parents were definitely not happy with it. But because I did get it back quickly and the situation, I I, I did feel very honored to be able to help people in that sort of crisis in any way I could. And so generally, I feel happy in the moment. It could be stressful, maybe a few blackout situations where I don't even remember what I did, but I know I did something. And in the end, it always turns out okay. Well, I want to ask a little bit about how you've brought that experience to Fuqua. Like I mentioned in the intro, you do a lot. You're a cult fellow. You have really brought a lot of that event energy to the things that you've done here with Blue Devil Weekend and orientation. What do you think is different about your approach to some of these things at Fuqua? What I've really learned over the last couple of years is money is not the most precious object anymore. Money is not the most valuable resource. It's time. You can't win the lottery and get extra hours of time. You can't 
get an advance on a paycheck and get extra time. So I really prioritized making any time I'm asking someone to spend at an event that I'm putting on or an experience that I'm creating to make that time the most valuable it can be, to give them the most ROI on that time and really capitalize on that experience for them. So when I came into these different roles with orientation, with Blue Devil Weekend, I didn't want to take the attitude of, okay, this worked last year, let's just do it again. I really wanted to take a step back and say, even though it might be double as much work, I'm willing to do that work to make this a better event, to improve on the experience in these aspects. And I think orientation was a great example of that. For anyone listening who was in our Section 6 room, we had a really unique experience together. Of course, there was a lot of curriculum we had to get through per the school standards and guidelines, and we're orienting you to Fuqua. But I made it a really big point to make sure everyone got to know each other and really bond the group so that they could start off with the strongest foundation and go into the year and the next two years, actually, with the best mindset possible. And so we went a little off script and kind of did our own thing a few times. But that to me was really important to give them the most valuable experience they could have during those times. I like what you're saying, this idea of bringing back some of the fun and games, right? I feel like especially sometimes in business school, we forget that or think that it's maybe unprofessional. I think games are always fun. I think if you can include fun and a little lightness in any situation that's appropriate, then you should. I spent a lot of time during the pandemic. You know, I don't know if everyone saw the value in being stuck with an event planner for a year in quarantine, but my family got to get the most of that in that every week I put on a game show for them. So I would work all week building sets and props and creating a game show. And then every Saturday night, we lived these game shows and I would be the host and my family would be the participants. And there were different challenges and games and activities. And it ended up being one of the most fun years because we were stuck together, which was unusual, but we got to experience this really fun and unusual experience together of playing these games every week. You don't need to necessarily be an event planner to create these special experiences for people. I don't think so. I think everyone who's come to Fuqua has had to plan some sort of event or activity for people. And so I think it doesn't need an event planner to put on an event. Well, what are your tips for people listening? As you know, we have a lot of events here every day. And people, in my experience, get stressed out by it. What are your tips or advice for how people can create these special experiences for others? I think the main thing is to start not by what you need to tell everyone, but by analyzing who's going to be your audience, who's attending this event, and work backwards from there. So understanding where people are coming from. Is it a school day? Have they been in class all day and now they have to attend your event? How can you make it more interactive and engaging for them. Maybe it's food. Maybe it's having it at an offsite location that's a little less stuffy than a classroom or something like that. And understanding what they need and what they care about versus what you need to tell them what you care about. I think reshifting your mindset to audience centric is going to really help make the event extra special for them. And last thing I want to ask you is you're very active in FuquaVision. I know that you and <laughs> Lou Fierro make a lot of skits that tend to be very popular. And these are experiences, even if they're not necessarily events. What are your tips and tricks for making a great FuquaVision skit? Oh, yes. Besides getting a job in the next two terms, FuquaVision is one of my top, top priorities. And Lou has been such a great partner. We try to make skits that are very universal, that really 
impact the most students. So whether it's an experience we've all gone through that we can make levity of, whether it's an event that's happening in the world or a movie that we can parody, we try to do something that the most amount of people will understand and relate to. And it sounds like exactly what you said before, right? Don't don't just think about what I want to do, but think about what's something that's going to resonate with the audience. Oh, yes. We are indebted to our actors and our audiences who, if they don't think it's funny, it doesn't matter if we think it's funny. No one's going to want to watch that. So it's really important that we think about what other people like, what they're going to get enjoyment out of, what they're experiencing, and really incorporate that into our skits. Awesome. Well, Alyssa, thank you so much for coming on and talking about events, experiences. I hope it's something that people can take to heart at Fuqua and beyond. Thank you so much again. Thank you for having me. 